Welcome to another Inside the Groove and yet another edition of Something to Remember, where I speak with a special guest about, well, Madonna, of course. And if you're listening to this podcast, then chances are you're a pretty big fan. And it's possible that Madonna's songs have touched your life. Well, same for my interviewees who are going to choose their Madonna Desert Island discs, though hopefully this isn't going to turn out like swept away. My guest this week is writer Justin Myers. Justin has written a couple of novels which I've read and love, and also many articles for publications such as GQ, and some on the subject of Madonna. But he's also a big old Madonna fan. Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hello. Hello indeed. Now, I'm guessing that some listeners may also know you as the Guy Liner and your blog, particularly the Impeccable Table Manners feature, um, which is where you give your, how shall I put it, additional commentary to the Guardian's Blind Date feature. But I'm right in saying that you've written about Madonna quite a bit as well, haven't you? I have done quite a few things about Madonna. I used to write for Gay Times as well. So uh, obviously she has a big gay audience. So there's always an appetite for Madonna musings out there. But I've also written, I'm quite fascinated by her generally and and how she's aging and advancing in her career and the kind of the reactions that she still gets from everybody you know so was it 40 years now into her career coming up to yes yeah, yeah. so she's still uh, relevant still on the tip of everybody's tongue and so I, I do love writing about her. I love analyzing her and thinking about her and talking about her and defending her which is something every Madonna fan has to learn how to do quite quickly She's a fascinating creature. And um, I mean, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show is because we've spoken about Madonna in real life, as it were. And, and I know you've got some quite strong opinions on her output. And how can I put it? You're, you're quite contrary. We, we've certainly had a few, uh. not, not fisticuffs, but we've disagreed <laughs> on a few things. So <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting some interesting choices. Before we start, though, I, I, I love both of your novels. And The Last Romeo has got a Madonna reference in it. It's got a bit of Madonna in it, hasn't it, I think? It does. Early on in the novel, the novel is about a guy who breaks up with his boyfriend and starts going on dates. And early in the novel, he uses an app, which if Madonna is listening, I am willing to go into business with you on this, uh, Your Majesty. <laughs> uh, a dating app called Madge Match, which pairs you up with potential love interests based on your favourite Madonna song. Now, wouldn't that be a great, that'd be a great idea. <laughs> you know, you, you would never, uh, you would be guaranteed uh, some good quality music in your love nest at least I loved your book because it really resonated because I remember going on a date oh, this is going back now about 1999 and um, the guy got out a list of questions and he was asking me things like what's your favourite food and I said something like uh, oh. pasta and he wrote that down and wrote down his answer he which was rice Yes, and he wrote down his answer next to it. And then one of the questions was, what's your favourite Madonna song? Um, And I said, "Uh, Ray of Light. And he sort of tutted and wrote down Power of Goodbye next to where he was. So he, (laughs) so, you know... You weren't far off the mark. Both really good choices. Why would those choices not be compatible, actually? They're on the same album, know. after all. They're quite I, similar. But it's the it, same producer, so... Well, you know, you'd think there'd be an alignment there, wouldn't you? He was perhaps a little bit odd. I can remember him taking a call halfway through our date and saying, uh, banana... And I said to him afterwards, was that some sort of code word to say, you know, how the date was going? And he went, 
no, no, not at all. And then he said, oh, anyway, I've got to go. <laughs> so, what? Well, thank goodness you're married now and, and off the market because the dating arena hasn't got any better than that, I assure you, of the last few years. <clears throat> oh, thanks for letting me know. But anyway, I want to crack on because I can't wait to hear your choices. Um, so the first one I'm going to ask you is the song that made you a Madonna fan. It may not be the first one you heard, it may not even be the first one you bought, but that one that made you go, you know, hardcore Madonna fan that you are today. Okay, my choice is Papa Don't Preach. Brilliant song, wonderful choice. How old were you when it came out, dare I ask? Uh, it came out in 1986, so I will have I will have been 10 the previous Christmas. And did you like it as soon as you heard it? Um, I was fascinated by it. Um, I very nearly picked Material Girl for this, by the way, but um, mm -hmm. because that was the first one I really remember. But Papa Don't Preach is, I think, when I first went proper turbocharged fandom. Why? Um, it was a whole visual. It was one of her most memorable videos, I think. And there was yeah. a lot of controversy about it. And I found it really interesting. The lyrics very interesting because I didn't really understand them at first. Papa Don't Preach, I thought, was some kind of you know, request to the Pope. I didn't really understand, you know, what she was talking about because obviously teenage pregnancy isn't something you think about a lot when you are 10 years old. No. But there was that whole amazing video and I remember at the time uh, she was becoming in for a lot of criticism, not only for the content of the song, but there was, a, I don't know if you remember, but around 1985, 1986, there were a lot of Marilyn Monroe comparisons, mm -hmm. mainly because she was blonde and obviously she'd recreated the Diamonds Are A Girl's Best Friend video for uh, mm -hmm. Material Girl. And so I found this really interesting because I didn't really know who Marilyn Monroe was. So it made me really curious about Madonna. And I suppose when you think about it, then Marilyn Monroe's death will only have been as far away as like Diana's death is to us now. Yeah. So it would have been yeah. fairly current, wouldn't it, for anyone who'd yeah. been around back then. And Madonna was kind of everywhere because of this. I would say it was like um, maybe an Ariana level saturation. You know how Ariana Grande has just yeah. been everywhere the last two years. But I think with a very different energy because she really was inescapable and there were songs being fired out like every two minutes, the back catalogs mm -hmm. coming out of everywhere. So I just found her really captivating, I think is the word I would use. And then when I saw the video, I'd never seen anything like it. I don't think mm -hmm. I'd really watched a pop video that closely before and definitely not one that had a story. And every frame of it was instantly emblazoned onto my mind. And I remember requesting the True Blue album immediately. And I think that's the <laughs> sign of a fan when you, you're so young and you request an artist's you know, album. That was the first ever mm -hmm. album I owned, I think, was True Blue. And I, I got like a version soon after. I was mesmerized by her, the whole story that I thought that was her, I thought it was her real dad in the, uh, in the video, I must <laughs> confess. And the uh, handsome, but kind of naughty looking mechanic. He was a mechanic, right? In the video, yes. Yeah. yeah. And her uh, Italians do it better t-shirt and her hair that changed and then the jumping around in the kind of <laughs> prototype, one of her early Gautier-esque outfits. In fact, I don't know who designed it. Maybe it was Gautier. You know, the, the boob thing, bustier thing. The bustier, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because I always want to talk about the music, but it, Madonna's image is so wrapped up 
in what she does as well. And this was like a quite a drastic change for her. She'd cut her yes. hair short. This was the first one with the short hair as well. And I think that's, I think she is such a visual artist. Her music for me, I think almost came secondary at first with that first, you know, meeting of her. I was fascinated by the Material Girl video. And then Papa Don't Preach just really solidified it. Like you say, she'd completely changed from the previous album campaign. I mean, even for Live to Tell, the single before it, she still had long hair. Mm-hmm. And it was there was it was quite a somber video, so you couldn't really tell what she was wearing and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I was hooked. That was it. It was all over. It's really I heard it quite recently as well, not playing it myself. I heard it out in a cafe, I think. And it's such a good song. It's kind of quite different from everything else that was around at the time. You got that string intro, you've got those really heavy drums. It's it stood the test of time. Well, I when I first heard the full version, because obviously the only version I'd had was taped off the radio and <laughs> back then I don't know whether they still do it now, I don't listen to the radio that much, but DJs talked right up until the artist started singing. And so yeah. I'd never heard the string intro. So when I got True Blue for Christmas and Papa Don't Preach started playing because it's the first track, I was blown mm-hmm. away. And I really still love songs that have kind of a classical music infusion. Um, yeah, it's just incredible. Unlike anything that was around at the time and also anything she'd done before, which is key to like in Madonna, I think. She doesn't like to repeat herself as she's often saying. So I'm going to ask you now for your second choice. And for this, I've asked you to tell me the song that you think is a bit underrated or or the one that you might want to give justice for, Justin's Justice For track. Is there a song in her back catalogue that you think doesn't get the attention it deserves? Well, I was going to say Angel for this one, Mm -hmm. which we can discuss later if you like. But my choice for (laughs) this is the Like A Prayer album track, Till Death Do Us Part. You know, this is one of my favourite Madonna songs, actually, so I completely agree with you, and it does get overlooked quite a bit. Do you want to talk about your feelings on this song? I first heard about this song in an issue of Smash Hits where they did a track-by-track review of mm-hmm. the album before it had even, you know, been heard anywhere. I don't even... I, I don't, I'm not even sure whether Like a Prayer itself had been played, but they got an early listen to it, and they were talking about it in the magazine. And obviously it was supposed to be her most personal album yet, but it was post Sean Penn. So I was fascinated by it. And Till Death Was Part, you know, really jumped out at me already then, talking about the lyrics, which I think this is probably Madonna's lyrical masterpiece, I would say. Mm -hmm. There's so much in there. It says so much. Uh, You know, for example, my favourite one is you're not in love with someone else. You don't even love yourself. Still, I wish you'd ask me Mm -hmm. not to go. It's just so sad and yet the backing track is so full of energy and drive and it does again it doesn't sound like anything she's released before or since and I think it really spoke to me um, it made me feel quite emotional which I think it was probably the maybe the first Madonna song to do that even though I was still quite young I was 13 when the Like a Prayer album came out I just thought it was genius then and still do and still listen to it a lot it's interesting you say it didn't sound like anything that she'd done before it doesn't really sound like anything else around at the time either I, I, everything in the charts in the uk at the time was stock eight Mortimer yeah. or it was house tracks and this is like pretty much a rock song um there's something a bit scar about it as well and it's got the talking bits the the sound effects it's it's really quite an unusual song it's such an odd song the tempo it's impossible to dance to mm-hmm. um 
it doesn't it's not particularly you know sing along apart from the you know our luck is running out of time part it's quite dark and yet mm-hmm. the jaunty jangliness of it in the background i suppose it's a bit like being in a volatile marriage in that mm-hmm. you know you have the good times and the bad times and sometimes they can be happening at the same time and although she has never outright said that it's autobiographical i think this was the moment where of all the songs on like a prayer which is supposed to have a you know a personal bent this really did feel like she was speaking from her heart in and the rawness of it you really you really feel it i think when you're listening to it and her voice sounds it's that kind of old school madonna voice that obviously you don't yeah. hear anymore that that it's not quite a screech because that sounds like mm-hmm. I'm being really rude, but you know it's a it's like a cry into the dark almost, and that, that, I just yeah. love the song. It's something almost guttural about her voice then, and yeah. bratty as well. It's it's fantastic. Did you get the song at the time? Did you understand what it was about when you were how old? Twelve, thirteen years old. Well, I did because I was a very old head on young shoulders, and uh, <laughs> you still are, Justin. Yes, I am, <laughs> uh, and I was a bit of a misery. So yeah, definitely, definitely got it. It definitely spoke to. I've never been like an emo person, but it definitely spoke to that kind of dark sentimentality that I've always found really appealing. Well, appropriately, after talking about a song that sort of um, is biographical for Madonna, I want to ask you your next choice. The song that kind of has featured in a, a particularly, I don't know, powerful moment in your life, whether it's good or bad, something that's almost soundtracked when you hear that song takes you back to that moment. What's your choice for song number three? I thought a lot about this one, um, about what kind of event to choose and moment in my life. Um, and my choice is Cherish. Cherish, cherish. Wow, I, I, it's one of my favourites as well for a sentimental reason, but tell me about yours. Well, this is quite a, a recent... I, I probably would have answered this entirely differently had we spoken, you know, 18 months ago. Um, but one of the things that I used to do, uh, well, still do, but uh, every couple of Sundays was go around to my best friend's house and her husband's house and have a Sunday lunch. And we would cook together and listen to the radio and dance around the kitchen and mortify my two godsons who are like teenagers uh, with another mm-hmm. friend from university. We'd all known each other a long time. And, you know, one incident I remember in particular was dancing around the kitchen uh, to Cherish. It's one that you don't hear very often, but mm. there is there are a few certain stations, shall I say, that do play it because it's quite a feel-good, mm-hmm. happy song. And I just remember um, us being in the kitchen and kind of all knowing the words. And I always assume that I'm the only person that knows all the words to Madonna's songs, if I'm <laughs> in a, unless I'm in a, you know, a Madonna concert. And we, we, you know, we were all singing it together and um, it was such a happy moment. And um, I'm sure you can imagine where I'm going with this, but my, my best friend mm. died last summer uh, very unexpectedly. And so I still listen to the song. It just takes me right back to that moment. And I, I actually do love to hear it as it reminds me of that time. I suppose, you know, what you would say, I would say is that it kind of it breaks my heart and then it mends it again kind of over and over um, but you know the important thing is that it, it does mend it that's the main thing and I just remember that kind of joy for, that you get when you realise that someone likes the same song as you and, and know it you know and they know the song and you never knew that they knew the song 
And I just remember us all singing along to it together. And it was just a really uplifting moment. And uh, I think about that a lot, I suppose, uh, now. Um, what I also love about Cherish is that it's one of Madonna's back catalogue that she likes to slag off. It's very much an underdog um, and, and also very underrated. So uh, justice for Cherish, I would say, as well. Do you know what? My Cherish memory um, is actually of you. Oh, now this is going to freak you out. Really? Uh, <laughs> well, it's not my only memory of Cherish. <laughs> um, but when, it, when I hear the song, I, you know, I get a flash of images, and one of them is of you on your phone, because uh, you came to my wedding, and um, you were at the reception, and Gareth's niece sang Cherish, um, if you remember. Yes. And I just remember seeing you on your phone, and I'm thinking, well, why is he not? He's a Madonna fan. Why is he not listening to this? Then I realised that you were tweeting. You were saying, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm at a wedding, and the wedding singer is singing cherish <laughs> <laughs> see you don't they don't hear that song enough yeah that was brilliant i love hearing you know part of the problem with spotify and its algorithms is that you kind of hear the same 10 songs over and over you know when it goes on to shuffle or whatever and a lot of madonna has so many huge hits you know she has that unbroken run of top tens let's not forget mm-hmm. um it's that some can get lost and there are so many songs that deserve more attention and I think Cherish is definitely one of them I would love to hear her do it on tour okay so answer me this then why why is it forgotten because it's a brilliant song um, it's off a top selling album it's got an amazing video that everyone knows she has performed it live yeah. so why why don't we hear about it like we do Vogue or Like a Prayer do you know I, I don't know and my guess would be that it is quite a it's a very poppy Madonna song that doesn't seem to belong to that era. It, it has mm-hmm. to compete with two other very strong singles from the Like a Prayer album in the title track and Express Yourself. Mm-hmm. And it came third, didn't it? It was the third single off the album. Yeah. And it does sound a little bit like it was an offcut for True Blue. So maybe mm-hmm. it did sound a bit dated when it came out. It's, it's a kind of a pastiche, isn't it, really? I, I kind of yeah. see where she was going with it. I don't know why it doesn't get as much attention. I suppose there are bigger, more iconic, more instantly visual songs that Madonna has. And I do believe that a lot of the reason why some of the songs stay in the consciousness is because of the visuals that Madonna decided should go along with them. And maybe Cherish, despite its amazing Herb's, Herb Ritz uh, directed video, just hasn't. There's time yet, though, isn't there? But, but there still it's is. It's never over. You know, I keep thinking about, I mean, hopefully it's a long time off, but when Madonna's not around anymore, people will revalue her work. And I think Cherish is one of those songs that people are going to really sort of, you know, cling on to somehow. Yeah, I, I hope so. And to be honest, I've thought about that as well, because I used to work for, I used to write about pop music for official charts and so obviously when an artist would die we would see an uplift in downloads or streams or whenever it was and I would sometimes wonder what would be the Madonna songs that would come back to the top 40 after she died which is not something I really want to think about but you do wonder (laughs) what her legacy will be and I think it's something that Madonna thinks about too yeah definitely well I'm going to ask you um the next question which kind of is a counter to that because I want to know the song because all of us Madonna fans have a song that we don't like that we would perhaps like to you know delete from her back catalogue if ever we could what's your choice? This was very tough because first of all I'm loath to highlight any inferior Madonna songs when we have so many beautiful ones to talk about but also I, I like most Madonna songs so this was this was hard it came down to two and my choice was four minutes four minutes 
Oh, now this is interesting because this was a number one single, Justin. It's her last number one. Sorry, most mm -hmm. recent number one. Let's not give up. <laughs> yeah, it was her most recent number one. And I feel that, you know, individually, Timberland, Justin Timberlake and Madonna are fantastic separately. But I mm -hmm. really expected fireworks from this, uh, from them coming together. But I found it underwhelming. I think the chorus is just unforgivably weak. Mm -hmm. um, there were far better songs on that album. Um, you know, I've never subscribed to the idea that Madonna shouldn't chase trends at all. You know, she likes releasing current pop music. I completely understand that. And mm -hmm. sometimes she has been a trailblazer, but largely I think she's made songs that just sound like other songs that are out at the time, but she just does mm -hmm. them better. But here, I think she was actually, rather than chasing a trend, she was chasing a hit and it felt very cynical. And even though all pop stars are chasing hits, whether they admit it or not, this just felt really undercooked and I can't love it. And also I remember a story around the time of its release, in fact, before it came out, before we'd ever heard it. And I think it was a pop bitch story that said Madonna had played two songs from the new album to a group of people to get their opinions on what should be the lead single. And she played Four Minutes and Candy Shop. And now we know how fond of Candy Shop Madonna is. <laughs> and the crowd she was playing it to said Four Minutes and apparently she was gutted. So wow. for that reason as well, I don't love it because I don't think she wanted to release it. I think it was a sign that she was giving in a little by releasing this one. So I never like to think of Madonna being weak. Who does? And I don't think she likes to be thought of as weak either. So for this to be released, I mean, whether Candy Shot would have done any better, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a Madonna song to me. I prefer her when she's on her own doing her thing. And this was too crowded, a bit like Princess Diana's marriage. Too many of them in there. <laughs> I think I, I do like Four Minutes, so I don't entirely agree with you, but I know where you're coming from because Confessions had been a big hit in the UK and in Europe, but it had, you know, apart from Hung Up, it had done very badly in the US. Mm. And it felt that she was going, okay, what do I have to do to get a home? Uh, what do I have to do to get a hit in the US? Yeah. And it's quite cynical, really, isn't it? I mean, if anything as well, Confessions itself was kind of a sop to her audience after American Life underperforming. But yeah. I think the difference was is that Confessions worked really well. And even though it was definitely a kind of a, a reverse, wasn't it? It was a bit of a backpedal for her. It still mm -hmm. felt authentically Madonna, the lyrics and stuff, you know, it was about her quest for you know, finding herself and her trouble with fame and all that kind of thing. Whereas there didn't seem to be any substance in four minutes at all. I didn't understand just why this song had been chosen. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, I must say that the so other song that nearly made it into the bin uh, was, mm -hmm. was even more controversial, probably Borderline. <gasps> I'm going to cancel this, this now. <laughs> Please don't cut the feed. But, um, I'm simply sick of people telling me it's their favourite Madonna song. It's a pedestrian choice uh, by people who either don't like other Madonna songs or are trying to appear edgy by picking something vintage. Uh, it doesn't even make it into my top 40, although I have come around to it a little in recent years. Uh, but I suppose when you're talking about, you know, worst Madonna song or Madonna song you'd like to cancel, you must remember mm -hmm. that Madonna on a bad day is better than most on a good day. Very well put. So my final request is that you give me the song that if they make, and I'm sure they will, Justin Myers the movie, <laughs> <laughs> what would be the song that plays over the end title sequence? Well, it was very tempting to pick Bad Girl for this one. 
<laughs> but <laughs> my choice is Paradise Not For Me from the music album. Wow, now that I didn't expect, and didn't it's a fantastic you? song. No, I, uh, yes, you, you've shocked me. This is what I wanted you to do. So, okay, so give me your reason for choosing this. Well, as a song, it's fairly cinematic already. It's You can hear practically mm-hmm. the credits rolling as you listen to it. It's a very reflective and moving song. It's about someone who is you know, reckoning with their past. It's kind of wistful and melodramatic, uh, which both adjectives you could use to describe me at times, I think. (laughs) But it's also very much a song about, you know, it's not over yet. It's just that this particular paradise wasn't suitable and we'll be on our way to find the right one. I really like the vulnerability and I also like the way that she mispronounces her French slightly, which is something I would never do just to point out. So perhaps we'd need to have a quick re-record or maybe get me to do the French bits right then to my contract. But I can really see, you know, whichever very gorgeous actor I demand that they get to play me, walking away from the camera, perhaps uh, across a bridge into a crowd of people as the shot fades up to white and then roll credits. Interesting. I think if they want to get some of the looks, you know, matches your your good looks, it's going to have to be a one of the Chris's, you know, Chris Evans. I think Justin. <laughs> uh, I <laughs> maybe not more like Chris Evans off the Big Breakfast. <laughs> well, you said it. Um, well, I mean, obviously we've got Madonna's movie coming up, and um, I know you've had some thoughts about that. What, what would you like to share them with the the listeners? Um, I have actually written about this for Empire. Oh, right. Can you give us any Yeah, I, I, I can, I suppose. What are my thoughts on it? Um, I am very nervous, as I'm sure most Madonna fans are, because mm-hmm. like any fan of Madonna's music, I would prefer that she just got on with making it rather than all these diversions, and especially cinematic ones. Mm-hmm. And even though I enjoy quite a lot of the films that she's been in or involved with, I don't really know how this one is going to turn out so things in its favor um madonna really cares about her own story Uh, Mm -hmm. she's not one to pull punches i do believe that she will be unafraid to paint herself in a negative light at times i think it's a fascinating story i hope that she concentrates on the really early years i would Mm -hmm. like it to kind of stop maybe before we get to conical bras because I think mm-hmm. that's the most interesting part of her career. I'd love to get the truth about, you know, her days with Keith Haring and, uh, you know, maybe even the dance school days. And, you know, I really want that opening shot of her arriving in the mm-hmm. yellow cab with the famous $35. But I'm a bit nervous. Um, and also, I'm really curious to see who they pick to play her because I do think that... Madonna is something of a one-off in in almost every way in her attitude in the way she moves and speaks and talks and I think it's it's such a you know her the way she expresses herself is so it's such a huge part of her image that I'd be I'd be yeah. nervous for any actor trying to imitate that really what, what do you think it's interesting well I, I think um 
having had a drama background and you as an author will understand this as well I think the story comes first and the ability of the actor but I know how Madonna fans feel and they're going to want the detail to be perfect including the look of the person mm. that plays her they're going to be really focusing on how much she looks like Madonna yeah. and I don't know that we need to worry about that too much I don't know what you feel about that you know, I don't either and I think it should be blind casting I think mm -hmm. I think it would be really interesting to not try and get kind of a carbon copy of Madonna and just go for someone who has similar energy I kind of trust Madonna on that respect actually I do think that she does have an eye for talent in others no matter what mm -hmm. you might think about her cinematic prowess I do think that she, you know it's it's encouraging that she's working with Diablo Cody for example yeah uh, it's really encouraging that she's she seems to have kept so much from her early life you know the notebooks and stuff and it's really it's encouraging isn't it I would say what a revelation because I had no idea I suppose I never stopped to think about how you would even begin to catalogue a life like that but she's lucky I suppose that her life has been documented quite heavily since the early 80s it's interesting because I do agree what you say that she will um, allow herself to be portrayed in a negative light. I mean, we've all seen In Bed with Madonna. Um, but I, my my fear about it is that she will use it as an opportunity to rewrite history. And I don't mean mm. how she's portrayed herself, but it's something that she's done all along. She's kind of taken the story and made the Madonna version. That, that I don't know if I entirely believe that $35 in Times no. Square story. <laughs> I think it's it's very romantic, but um, but you know I suppose who knows what do they say history is it's written by the it's written by team. the winners yeah and she yeah. certainly won I think <laughs> with the thirty five dollars yeah I mean she probably had that in her pocket at the time but she did have a scholarship didn't she so yeah and she'll have had money coming from somewhere so it's kind of I think she will she won't tell lies but she will tell a version of the truth. I think it would be really interesting because obviously she was a woman uh, in a very male-dominated area. She has literally been slapping back annoying men for most of her career. Mm -hmm. uh, there's obviously the the heart she has been through hardship uh, you know she was sexually assaulted in New York I'm, I'm going to be I'm, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how far she goes as we know Madonna is not afraid to go far she has been pushing those buttons changing mm -hmm. challenging perceptions all her life really even before she was famous so mm -hmm. I hope that she stays with that fearlessness and really really goes for it Justin, it's been wonderful talking to you and thank you. your opinions on Madonna. And, and thank you for the support you've given to the podcast as well. Oh, I'm an avid um, listener. I love it. Thank you and very much appreciated. And, um, you know, if we're still around in some way when, when Madonna's film comes out, I'd love to get you back on to talk about it. Yes, um, that'd be lovely. And let's hope we're saying so, lovely things about it. Yeah. Fingers indeed. crossed. Thank, fingers crossed. <laughs> thank you very much. And it's good to talk to you. Speak again, I'm sure, soon. Thank you. 